Welcome, everybody, to the Friday Night Lights podcast. On today's show, the three of us will talk through the 10th episode of this fifth season of Friday Night Lights, and then also, as a special treat, we have an interview with Angela Ronay, who plays Regina Howard, the mother of Vince Howard. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to the 10th episode of the Friday Night Lights podcast this season as we look at Don't Go. Um, and after this, we'll have three more episodes to go in the entire series. Um, so it's uh, it's kind of bittersweet looking at it. But today with us, we have Russ and Lyle both. Hey, I was just gonna going to say that on? this is going to be, sadly, my last podcast. So to our faithful listeners, I'm sad to say that I will not be able to make a return appearance. Well, we may be able to do some postseason uh, recaps, possibly, with you. Yeah. I thought we were just going to transition into off the map and just follow Saracen around. <laughs> I did actually watch the first uh, the pilot of that, and um, he needs better material to work with. No, I DVR'd it, but I haven't watched it, so it's not worth my time. Um, it's worth checking out, but I don't, I don't know. It's, it's not Dylan, Texas at all. I DVR'd it solely because the logo looks like Lost and because Saracen is in it. Yeah, People Magazine said it's lost without the smoke monster, but not really. I don't agree with that. But Anybody who says it's like lost is describing a show that is going to be canceled after four episodes. <laughs> but back to back to Dylan, Texas. Oh, and we have Lyle here, too. I think he's, he said something earlier, but welcome back, Lyle. We missed you last week. Oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> but uh, as we look at Don't Go, we, we finished up last episode with a lot of tension, um, a few losses, not a few losses, but a loss to the uh, to the East Dillon Lions in the football. And there's just lots of mess going on. You see Coach seriously considering it looked like Shane State and going down. And in this episode, the first opening scene is actually uh, Coach Taylor down in Florida being – I guess courted by the um, athletic director, I suppose, of the Shane State football, talking about all that they have. And I, I thought that was an interesting opening, starting with him actually on his visit. And this visit and this job opportunity is a lot more public and open than it was back in was it season end of season one or season two? Even season one when he ended up going to a TMU. Yeah. Did, if y'all notice the difference in that. Yeah, I think uh, I mean I think that has to do with like the growth of the information age. Though you can't you can't have somebody on a visit anymore. You got nut jobs tracking planes whenever there's a coaching search. Yeah, you know, yeah. online now. The high school coaches? Uh, no, <laughs> See, that's no. Yeah. That's, well, also it's a you know it's quite far fetched to me that they're offering him total control of the football program going from high school to. They did kind of, you know make it I guess try to make it a little more realistic by saying that we just moved up to division one. Yeah. But yeah. that still doesn't make it that much more realistic. Right. I think one of the benefits of that storyline though is that in this episode, Lyle, you had said we've not been able to see much of Buddy Garrity this season. And this episode had lots of Buddy Garrity in it. And it had lots of buddy like stuff. Everything Buddy did was very buddy like. I loved it. I love how at the very beginning he's already freaking out Levi, the principal. Right. Yeah, that was that was great. I, I think that – do you think that it would have been – I wonder how uber football geek that we need to get because I was thinking about 
they're making to jump to Division One, and automatically I was like, "Well, are they moving to one A or one double A? Oh, I'm sorry, uh, FBS or <laughs> FCS football bowl or football championship?" Right. So, anyway, I, I, I assume they're going all the way D one. They're probably obviously not a BCS conference, but I think just you know D one A. But again, um, we're in the in the realm of of you know Dylan Texas. It's kind of like you know the world of lost that we just talked about. There are answers today that may not be the answers tomorrow. Uh, this was my favorite episode of this season, and I think that probably because it was a kind of a Buddy Garrity centric <laughs> episode. I think it was like the redemption kind of episode for Buddy. It was like all the good things about Buddy were on display, like the way he was talking to Vince to kind of rally him to you know. Talk, talk get about back coach. on the coach's good side and the way he spoke on behalf of Riggins and all that kind of stuff. The way he was talking to Levi, the principal, about how he had to keep him, keep Taylor in town and all that kind of stuff. It was like all the good sides of Buddy at once. Yeah, and he, he had so many, and I know we're jumping around a lot, but I love when he was defending Tim. Yeah, And he that told that woman, touchy. he was like, you bought – yeah, but also, it was it was very great. I, that was – but I just loved how he was like, you bought a car for me three years ago <laughs> at Garrity Motors. And, you know, when he, uh, and like you said, we are jumping all the way to the end, but and I'm sure we'll talk more about this specific scene, but I think Taylor Kitsch in that, I guess the episode as a whole, but in that scene specifically, did so much acting without any words. You know, like when Billy was standing up to talk, he was rolling his eyes. But even when, when – uh, Coach was talking. Tim, you could tell it, it, was, it meant a lot to Tim. And then when Buddy first stood up, he was thinking, oh, crap, this is going to go south big time. And then he had that kind of satisfied smile when Buddy Garrity, of all people, took up for Tim Riggins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Buddy's kind of sense of self-importance, too. Like, he's not even on the list of people to speak, and he just stands up like, I'm Buddy Garrity. Sir, like, if you would allow me. Found, you know, no know who he is and all that kind of stuff <laughs> you come down to my sports bar every friday night i love that too that he he offered J- uh, tim a job at his sports bar that's kind of fitting like i can uh tim as the manager of a bar that seems about right and again we don't know what's up with riggins rigs so is it still around yeah. or not i'm not sure that uh considering how i got in trouble even if it is still going or even if it's still a functioning business that that's a place that he wants to go work. The top I don't know shot if Pearl Moore would be real, real excited about putting him, put him back over there. It makes me wonder what they did with Kit Kat, the bull. Very good question. The mascot of Riggins Riggs. Oh, and was it Skeeter? What was the dog's name? Yeah, Skeeter was the dog. Yeah, I mean, you know, because Becky was going to take dog. care of Skeeter, you know, but then she left that house too. So I would assume Skeeter was back around Billy's house by now, but we've never seen him. One of the great, uh, one of the great quotes by buddy was when he was talking to levi and levi just doesn't even care or doesn't seem to you know realize the the importance at least that buddy puts on it but buddy says levi a man can't leave if you erect a statue of him <laughs> that was great he said what about a plaque <laughs> yeah are you gonna pay for that plaque i, I, I might could get some money together I can, get for some, I can get some money together yeah does this mean that uh Nick Saban will never leave Alabama since they're putting up a little a head bust of him, a head a statue of him. Are they really doing that? I heard that they made one, but then they had to make some alterations or something to it. But that's, that's, I've heard that they have. 
he probably declared that it had to be a six foot four statue because you know he's very apparently very sensitive about his height. He did that. Was it a Frito Lay or whatever? Well, all the SEC coaches had those life size people made. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I remember specifically Houston Nut was a lot bigger than him, and uh, Tuberville, I believe it was, and he, he wouldn't have it. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And then uh, oh. Luke and Becky, they seem a lot more uh, obvious, a lot more evident, both at, you know at sports banquets, which do you have in your sports banquet in the first semester? Yeah, uh, you know, I guess that's just to get it in before the end of the season. <laughs> I didn't even, yeah. that didn't even dawn on me. That's true. That should be like the, the end of the second semester. I said May. It's <laughs> all sports, but, you know. Baseball yeah, had started. But yeah, but you know, and then they're out, you know, I guess, you know, playing tag football and making out on the football field with uh whoever wants to watch. So they're a lot more obvious and evident. I guess after, you know, he invited you know her to what, go though, eat. That that was one of the reasons this was my favorite episode of the season. Is that yeah. I thought that the teenagers acted more like teenagers a little bit than they usually do yeah. on yeah. the show. Usually they have very adult conversations mm-hmm. and things, which I understand, you know, you gotta throw some real drama in there. If it was really trying to portray the average life of a teenager every day, then you just go to school and watch TV and do nothing. Um, I thought, like, especially not just the way that those two were acting, but when the when you ask teenage boys to make a speech in front of a large group of people talking about your feelings for a grown man, yeah. you're not going to get, you know, Barack Obama-level speeches from yeah. these kids. So they all of them just got up and was like, Coach said I love football, and I did. Yeah, Hastings you know, was like my favorite. That. Like that was realistic to me. The, the way the way they were making speeches, you expected, or at least I did, some great speech from Vince that was just like pouring his guts out. But come on, he's not really going to do that. It was good. I love that part. I like a lot of those scenes too. Hey, this it still kind of recaptures itself when it. Like the scene on the balcony that we talked about a few episodes ago, where they're all sitting around talking. Kingdom. And then, uh, and then when, like that scene between Luke and Becky today, or you know, this past episode was, it was kind of endearing just to see. Uh, I think while you said this is like when you take, when they take little moments and and kind of make them seem like that's all that those kids' world revolves around right now. That's when the show is at its best. And so they had a lot of little things like that, too. When they're all yeah. asking. Seekers asking. on the tailgate with Becky and looking out of the farm. I love yeah. that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all he knows. Oh, yeah. He's already, you know, this crossroads where he's like, could you be with a farmer? Yeah. Like, he's about to graduate high school, and he's like, well, it, it's time. You know, I got to start thinking about what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a you know you could tell that he's already looking towards the future, and I don't know if he was asking her to marry him necessarily, but talking about future. But I think yeah, Lyle, you called it probably second or third episode of the uh, of the season that Luke and Becky are going to become thick by the end of the season. Tim's going to get out of jail, and then it's just going to be a big turd of the punch bowl, so to speak, because uh, she's going to start looking at Tim a lot more, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it, it seems likely, but I also I can buy it if that doesn't happen too, or doesn't happen in that big a way because she's a high school girl. She's supposed to be like sixteen or something. Right. How often do you jump from crush to crush when you're in high school? It's like instantaneous. 
Like, yeah. Tam's been locked up for a year or something. When you're in high school and you're around these other guys all the time, you're not going to hold out, you know, for that that much. Well, and it's not like she and Tim ever really had anything other than a big crush. Like, he he tried yeah. to be her big brother. But he, I'm sure that there's some turd in the punch bowl moment coming up, but right. I hope it's not like a major storyline. Yeah. Tim, Tim seems – I mean, he's he's broken down, huh? Yeah. Kristen was not kind to him. Well, he's bitter, you know, and I – Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I understand it. You know, I think he took the hit for his brother, and I think he was going to jail regardless. And his brother would have gone to jail, so he just took the full blame. It's not like he sacrificed himself for his brother because I thought he was going to jail regardless. But he still seems really bitter about that. And so, um, you know, I don't know if you've seen the previews for this coming week, but things get pretty dicey between the two of them. Did you watch them, Lyle? Yeah, and that's not the thing that stood out to me on the previews for next week. There's another thing that I, I think I am going to – yeah, we'll talk I about that like in a little bit. Though. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, yeah, you know, he, and even to the point where he said, I don't want Billy talking for me. Haven't you done enough damage already? And I understand, but Tim still said okay. But, you know, Tim was trying to get all this money or work, I think, to try to help Billy pay for having a baby and all. So he did stick his neck out on the line for illegal stuff, and then he took the blame. But, you know, one of the things when, when my wife and I were watching, she pointed out about Billy is that Billy from even the probably the first two seasons, if not three, has done a pretty big turnaround, you know, because he used to do nothing but drink and get drunk. You know, that's about it. And then, you know, try to live his life through the accolades of his younger brother. And so he has turned a corner. I'm not saying he's a perfect guy, but he seems a lot more responsible and, and a little more driven at least. He may not always have the best execution. But um, and Mindy too. Mindy seemed the sweetest and the most, you know, trying to help her husband and be there for him than she's ever been the previous four seasons. Hey, this is something that just stunned me: is when they're having the party for Tim coming home. Tim was drinking beer, right? Uh, it never, never has happened <laughs> before. It must have must have something changed there in the in the prison system. I'm sorry, that was a really bad joke, I guess. <laughs> nobody nobody it's, laughed at that. It's tongue in cheek. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I thought I missed I thought you were gonna say there in the background was Waverly or the traveling salesman <laughs> hooked up with Ty or something. I'm like, Really? I didn't even notice. Hey, so the, roll by. the guy at the parole meeting, did he not look like Willie Galt? I never looked him up on IMDB or anything like that, but he looked like the guy that was sitting around the table last year and they were about to have the, the big cat fight. You know, and all the coaches and radio guys and, and boosters. I thought I'd seen that guy in a previous season as a different character. Like the guy that was telling you The know, guy who smirked when he said, Coach Eric Taylor, like right. a little local celebrity. I don't know. I love the way he made that expression though when he was like, A letter from oh, Coach Taylor. Like I love that they went back to I was complaining earlier but they didn't they haven't done a good enough job of making football like it's the whole world the villain. But they did this week again. The way they're like, oh, Coach, oh, Coach Taylor, this guy has some gravity when he talks. Right. And they had the yeah. church sign that said, uh, like, bless Coach Taylor and keep him close or something like that. Right. On the church sign when Timmy was riding by. That was uh, – that was Realistic. Yeah. You know, I like that. I like that stuff. Boy, the whole town revolves around the football thing. And then well, I have I, no idea if that's the same guy. I think today was the first, or this episode, I should say, was the first time I've heard anybody refer to 
the Dillon Panthers as Wes Dillon. You know, it seemed odd to you that little panel that Tammy went on in a talk because it seemed like it was kind of nothing at all going on there. Like, what was her real purpose as far as the storyline? I, I think they're setting it up to where that they'll get uh, another like she that woman that talked to her was some sort of counselor for a college. Right. Yeah. I think that Tammy's going to get a job off of two, and Me that'll too. be like the last couple. The last couple of episodes is they'll try to figure out where to go. Yeah, I, yeah think, I was thinking that they might actually leave Dylan because of her job instead of his. Well, uh-huh. I, I got I was not even looking for it, but I came across where apparently she is going to interview for some college job somewhere in the next few episodes. Uh, because I saw something where she it's like in Philadelphia or somewhere in the East Coast, and so I don't know if that means that it's potentially going to be something with her. And again, talking about the previews for next week. It's uh, she says something about I have to check it out, Eric, but we don't know what that means. So I bet that lady who kept you know leaning over and saying, "Oh, I remember you from wherever," and you know talking to people, nodding her head when Tammy would say something. Well, see, I think what's going to happen is she's going to work at a college in Philadelphia, and Andy Reid is going to be like, "I need somebody to run the two minute drill for me," ah. and because I'm so bad at clock management, I'm going to hire Coach Taylor. That would be interesting. I, I know if they end up moving north of Knoxville, Tennessee, I'm going to be pissed off. What? <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll really irk me if they end up somewhere else. They are Southern football fanatic people. Yeah. Maybe he's just going to quit and not be a coach. He's going to become a. She's going to make so much money that he's just going to raise Gracie Bell. <laughs> Now, I will say on the front end, I was glad, and Lyle, you said this is your favorite episode so far this season. I don't know if it's my very favorite, but uh, we had no Julie and we had no Epic the entire episode. I didn't even realize that. You're right. That may be why it was my favorite episode. I, yeah, I noticed that, too. They did make some mention of Epic. They still kind of taunt it like it might come back, but I sure hope it doesn't. Yeah, she did ask Levi about him. Tammy did, but he's like, I don't know. So is she going to go live with them in Philadelphia? <laughs> Epic. I can't even uh, discuss them moving to Philadelphia. <laughs> Do you see him being a football coach in Philadelphia? Hey. Uh, never know. You know, I knew that, of course, I knew that we were going to do this podcast, but when I was watching that staff meeting with Tammy and how she's, like, defending the kids and all the rest of them are talking about just how much they hate their jobs, is that what a staff meeting is like for you, Law? No, it's worse. I sit there staring holes in people like I want to punch them in the face. <laughs> um, we hadn't even talked about the thing that probably jumped out to all of us because we're from Mississippi. It's in central oh. Mississippi. is in the heart yes. of events. Yeah. Uh, is that Jackson State? I was leaning toward it being Jackson State because it, you know, it seems kind of slackish. They have <laughs> they're uh, they a barbecue have... joint and everything. But they have uh, Valley's colors because it's like green. Huh. Um, I thought they had Jackson State's colors. Did they not? I thought there was green. I thought Mississippi Central said it was green. I don't know. They made a a point to play B.B. King in the background the whole time they were talking to Central Mississippi, though, which I thought was a nice touch. But I thought, like, Vince was this big recruit. Yeah. And for him, I don't know. I don't know what. Here was my other question. And Blake, you might know this because you're more immersed in the the world of knowing about the production of it and stuff than than we are. But 
Uh, when do they write? Do they write the whole season before? Like, do they slate out the whole season and then and then start filming it, or are they in the process of writing some of the episodes while it's the show's going on? I think they get a whole story arc as far as like here's where we're going to start and then here's where we're going to end as a season. Then they try to do that for the uh, because for it, the episodes. I, mean, but I think as far as actual content, it can take a turn as they move through this it, filming. Does it not look awfully close to Vince's dad is going to ask? Central Mississippi for money to deliver him instead of Cam Newton's dad asking Mississippi State for money to deliver him. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, but not by the time all that came out, though, yeah, they, they were through filming, though, back in the summer. They were. Yeah. Well, yeah. then that was, I mean, that's an eerie parallel then. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, because they, I think they were through filming even back in, uh, I may be wrong on the exact date, but I think it was at least by July. Yeah, they got done like July, August. Right. Um, okay. There's still definitely well, that's, parallels that's just there. A, a great coincidence, then. I was uh, glad to see Vince stand up to his dad, and of course, you know, Ornette trying to save face, going, "All right, you go take care of that paper," you know. And as ah, oh, he came in, said, "Ah, oh, he he has some academic stuff he had to work on, but he's all right. He's all right." I think Cress Williams has done a fantastic job of playing Ornette because I think I've been. I, I was curious and, and hesitant about him, and then I thought maybe I, I do kind of trust him. And then you know he's taken me to the point where now I, I can't stand him as a character. Yeah, I'm not a yeah, big he's fan. Good. And after you told me that he was uh, on Beverly Hills 90210 was the basketball star, <laughs> it, 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 it it took a minute for me to be sold on him as like this thug, <laughs> tough guy with a sketchy background. But now I'm completely sold on it. <laughs> He does a good job for sure. Yeah, pretty good. He got game scene of them playing basketball also. And then uh, Vince's mom standing up to to her her husband there, you know, saying, "Let him be, let him get, leave him alone." You know, yeah. she's she's grown as a character. I mean, even the last two or three episodes for sure, but especially since we first saw her passed out, strung out on the front stoop of the apartment last season. Yeah, she might have. Remarkable turnaround. I thought she was irredeemable junkie at first. Right. Also, uh, this is on a different subject, but I really like the scene with uh, concerning uh, Taker's pig. <laughs> That's something Luke is good I, at. Yeah, I know. I, I just I really enjoyed them leaning on the fence and watching Luke tell them how to show a pig. Leader by the nose. So Mary Gold, Mary Gold, the pig. And then, and then Tinker got second place. I mean, so Luke is not only a, a good pig shower, but he's good at instructing others how to do it. Or Tinker's a quick learner, one or the other. Well, like, this shows him that it's a well-trained animal. I don't know people train pigs. I don't know much about the world of showing livestock, apparently. You just give him a love tap. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> That's from the one who knows. Um. So we haven't. I get. Are we already to the end of the episode yet? Uh, I don't. What do you? Lots of. Yeah. What do you think? We're missing a lot of stuff. What do you think about when uh, the players themselves after? I guess it was after practice one day. Come up to uh, to coach and just asking coach, are you staying or are you going? And he's like, I'm. He no. Uh, Tinker asked coach, where are you going? 
what are you going to do? He goes, Tinker, I'm going home right now. He goes, no, you know what I'm talking about. And I liked it there because I think that's real. You know, before it's something they could dance around and not really address. But they, you know, most high school players, I don't say most, but there's all high school teams would have one or two players at least that would confront their coach. And that's obviously Tinker's personality. And, of course, we see, you know, Luke doing it a little bit too, pushing him on it. And I was glad that he went ahead and answered the question. He said, I'm going to Disneyland after that also. After we, so yeah. my, my goal is to go to <laughs> state. Maybe after that, I'll go to Disneyland. <laughs> after, after we win state. Yeah. Um, well, like, what about his actual decision? That's what, that's what that's I was talking about. That's far-fetched to me. Well, you know, it started off before, right before that when uh, Vince showed up at his, uh, at his house that morning. You know, asking him not to go, telling him he's going to do whatever it takes. And that was before, actually, I guess he came to the office saying, you know, I'm going to do what you asked me to do, coach. And he says, you're, you know, you're going to have to earn your spot back. And so he get, he laid his red jersey down and goes, all right, I'm going to earn it then. And then he shows up at his house and he tells him you're starting as he gets in the, you know, the old trusty Ford Explorer there. But um, was that what kind of helped make his decision, do you think? I think that's what they try to make it look like, but I think that would not be enough to actually sway a coach from a 400% raise in a million-dollar house in Florida. Surely, I don't know. How about this? Is it possible that he just said that in, like, the heat of the moment and there's still a chance that he might go? Like, I, I just – that's just well, – You the haven't seen the previews for next week, have you? <laughs> No, I haven't. Well, and too, though, I, I don't know very many men. or The people that I know who are married, I don't know people that can make a decision and tell people even – I guess he told it in front of, uh, you know, all his fans and crowd and some reporters that he was coming back, he wasn't going anywhere, with his wife standing there, and they had not had a conversation and discussed and finalized things. And for her just to give him a little knowing smile and, a, you know, a peck. You're just full of surprises. Yeah, my I wife would be that. like, what the blank? I thought that, and then I was completely sold on it as soon as they hugged each other and were like, I love you. And she was like, have a good game, coach. I, the affection between those two, self stuff for me. How hard it's is the it? The greatest portrayal of like a marriage on TV that I've ever seen in terms of yeah. like the chemistry between the two people. But again, it's, sometimes unrealistic because that, and then also writing a $3,000 check for uniforms and not telling your wife. I mean, she yelled about it, but it was like, okay, I won't do it again. It would never go over that smoothly for ninety nine percent of the people I know. I think, uh, uh, you know, I'm trying to put myself in that kind of position. I think that they had talked about it. A, you know, it seemed like they had talked about it a good bit, and he had never come out and said, "I'm not going to go. I'm just going to stay." But almost to the point where she would have been okay with either decision that he'd made. And you know, I mean, while you just mentioned this, but. How weird is it to think that they're not actually married in real life? Like, that's how good a job they do. It's almost unfathomable. I can't imagine them apart from each other. I would have such a hard time, like... (laughs) Being married to her and seeing her smoozing with Eric Taylor? Yeah, exactly. Like, I would have such a hard time if Anna was an actress. And It's almost worse than, like... Because they don't have, like, real love scenes or anything Mm -hmm. on it, but it it seems like they really love each other. Uh, There's intimacy. I mean, just in, you know, the two of them, like you say. (sighs) Huh. Yeah, it's weird. I, um... They're they're very good at that. But his actual decision is very far-fetched. I mean, do we want to get into the previews at all? 
That's uh, what I was going to ask. I'll, elaborate. Well, well, have we exhausted the episode for sure right here? I think we have. I don't know of anything else that stood out. I mean, other than Tim okay. being back and it being awkward and Tim still seeming pretty depressed. I, uh, well, I, I, was, I love that Vince threw his, the red jersey on the uh, on the table, on the coach's desk. desk, and said, I'll earn it back. I just like that. That's, you know, that's what any coach would want to hear, not well, just, you know, the entitlement of – Well, we both said mine. three weeks ago, yeah. two weeks ago, that we had, you know, started to dislike Luke again. Um, not Luke, I'm sorry, Vince, you know. But Vince realized that he was nothing, and he was probably going to be in jail or in a ditch, like he said, you know, beforehand. And now we, I'm assuming everybody is a, is a big Vince Howard fan now. You know, he's humbled yeah. himself. He's not following his dad's crazy schemes and things I, like that. I would like to see something on the field that's going to win him all the way back. It yeah. looks like that he's already won the team back. But, you know, you can't just lose it. Like I said, he's lost the team, and like a week later he's got him back. It would be like, you know, kind of a rip-off of the longest yard or something where Paul Crew has to, you know, he starts running for first downs, you know, to prove to the team that, you know, he's trying to win again or whatever Yeah. when they stop blocking for him. But I wouldn't mind seeing something like that. But, you know, I mean, we knew it, we, we knew it wasn't going to end. The series wasn't going to end with Vince being on the house with the team. So Yeah. He, um, that scene – it, there are two scenes that we didn't talk about that I that I also really liked was that one I guess that you just kind of referenced earlier where he shows up at Coach's door and Coach kind of like just plays him off. He's like, "You ask too many questions. Get in the car. <laughs> You're late." And but I I like the fact that you could tell he was impressed, but like just didn't even want to. He didn't acknowledge it like emotionally at all. Just like let's, let's go, you're late, and and Vince just starts laughing when he gets in the car. Um, and then for for some reason, and maybe this was just me, but I really like the I really like the interplay between Minnie and Billy when he's like screaming at her because he's frustrated because his brother. You know, he could tell. You know, he senses that, that obviously that Tim is really angry and bitter. And he's like, I'm doing all I can. And she's just like, okay, I get it. Like, I understand. And, uh, see, I thought that was, like, I thought when they showed uh, Becky watching that interplay between them, that she kind of saw herself, like, kind of wanted, that was what she wanted more than anything. What Billy and Mindy have, that's kind of what Becky wants more than anything. Like, wants to pursue with Luke. I can see that. You might be right. I didn't even notice that. You know what you're right. I love, I love Billy's. Why is a good American that he's like? <laughs> <laughs> he is a good American. Oh, and obviously the other scene you were going to say that um that you really liked was when Buddy was trying to get Gracie to do the clear eyes, full hearts chant. Oh yeah, the first time what? I said that in about three years. <laughs> Remember when uh, he brought by Buddy brought by uh, the. East Dillon Lions shirt for Gracie and part of his, you know, please don't go, Eric. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. How I about Billy it. taking shots before he drives off also? <laughs> hey, you know, pick up on that. I was like, this idiot's about to have to get a DUI or something. He just can't stay on top. But it didn't happen. Yeah. All right, Lyle, take us into the uh, spoiler alert, but um, the previews uh, for oh, next week. Okay. Well, it shows uh, Coach on the phone with Levi, and they say – there's only going to be one football program in Dillon. Next year. Well, they don't say which cuts. one, which 
I, I'm okay with that. Like, whatever. If they want to end it like that, that's fine. I, I probably it's going to be Eastville and get shut down. You know. Even though they're but the I winning team. They, yeah, politics. But my whole thing is, I think the writers sort of took the easy way out in coach's decision to stay. Like this way, they were able to have their cake and eat it too. Coach got to play the big hero in front of the the fans and the cheerleaders and the players and his wife, and say like, "I'm coming back home to Dylan," and they all go crazy. But then he ends up getting to leave Dylan anyway because they shut down the program and he takes a college job. Do you think I like the tough decisions more from season one? The show's been good from the beginning. That people have to make tough decisions, and then sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. Just like life, you know. Um, but I right. think they kind of had their cake in 82 with this, if that's what happens. And that's what it looks like is that he's still going to be shut down. So now he's got a free pass. He gets to leave the hero and gets the big college job. Do you think they'll ask him to come back to Dylan to coach, if that's the case? I didn't think about that. They might. Because that could be something. But I would, that would, that would be, be a big... cool, I guess. Mac Maybe, would hate that. I don't know. Mac would hate that, though. <laughs> yeah, Mac McGill would be tired of being. Hey, Mac McGill has not done a very good job because Dylan has fallen far in two years. Hey, you got no... the retirement age, man. He's old enough to retire That's from a high school job. He needs to go coach an academy and draw state retirement and still get paid. That's for... right. Or he can go coach in a different state and come back, like Mike Justice or whoever. But, uh, yeah. But um, to the previews for next week's show. Mike Justice. <laughs> you don't know Mike Justice? High school. No, I'm sorry. Mississippi high school legend. Yeah, yeah. He retired from Mississippi and then took a job in Alabama after Mississippi retirement. Gotcha. Um, I'm sorry that I was unfamiliar with Mike Justice. I'm sure that I, I've, I've, for a while I thought that was the greatest career. I was like, that's what I want to do with my life. When I heard he did that, I'll coach him for I'm going to retire, then go to a different state. But uh, also the preview showed Tim still pretty bitter, yelling at Billy. Billy saying, "What am I supposed to do?" And he's like, "I was there for so long, and you know." The idea was for you to be able to get your stuff back together, and he just like decks Billy, like just smacks him in the mouth. Yeah, yeah. Prison ain't no easy life. It's true. Well, they get they get fights all the time, though. Yeah, I would be disappointed if they had a scene where they didn't, they didn't, if they ended the series without them fighting a couple more times. Yeah, Yeah. and then somebody's trying to beat in the door of uh, Vince and Regina's apartment there. Um, do we assume it's Ornette? Do we assume it's Kennard? Are there other people who are, you know, out to get Vince? It's Man, a pretty intense know. scene. Maybe it's just recruiters, and they're very persistent these days. Kick <laughs> <laughs> down the door. Ah, I'm Nick Saban. You're coming to Alabama. <laughs> Auburn just won the national championship. You are coming to Alabama. <laughs> we'll kick you down your that, door. You think Ornette is going to turn, like, so far – a way that he becomes violent and goes back to a life of crime again, or is that? Well, you, were, you weren't with us last week, Russ, but Lyle's made a prediction that he could very well see Ornette being killed. Yeah, I heard him say that. I, I just think he's going to come to a bad end of some sort, whether he dies or whether he goes back to prison or something. You know, probably doesn't look good for him. Maybe he just sees, and maybe that's why he's so recklessly pursuing money from schools or offers from schools is because he really doesn't know what else to do. He's like, I think his motivations. Yeah. I think his motivations are pure. Honestly, I just think his, his execution of those are crooked and shameful. This is my only legitimate 
enterprises for my son to make it big. I'll do whatever it takes. Well, I, I'm almost wondering, though, he realizes the type of life that he and Regina, his wife, lived for a while, and he doesn't want that for, for Vince. So he's doing all he can to make sure Vince gets all he can. I, I mean, maybe I'm off, but I still think he's not doing it for his personal gain. But he just wants Vince to have everything he didn't. But the way he's going about it is very misguided. Oh, well, we keep we keep comparing him to Cecil Moon, but he hasn't actually asked for money. He got some shoes. <laughs> some, remember he got remember because yeah, he, he brought those that. shoes to Vince. Oh well, that's not one hundred eighty thousand dollars or two hundred. But you're right. I mean, he, it seems like he's trying to get the best. They haven't actually offered him money or anything. It's right. just been a little bit of shady recruiting practices, but not super shady. Also, uh, before I forget, I hate the name Shane State. Yeah, but that's because you always had a you always hated the name Shane. I know that's true. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I just do. But like, couldn't they come up with something called it Jupiter Tech or Panama <laughs> City State or something? I mean, because usually they just throw a tech or a state in there. Everglades University. So yeah, something. What Shane State? That sounds so ridiculous to me. Well, well, I was able to sit and I sit down, but I was able to uh, to talk with uh, Angela Ronay, who plays Regina Howard, Vince's mom. And so I will play a quick interview that I was able to have with her um, actually yesterday. And um, she gives a pretty good insight into into some of the, uh, the, I guess, the triangle, the relationship there between the three Howards, Vince, Ornette, and Regina. And thought it was pretty interesting, so take a listen. Today we welcome Angela Ronay, who most people re- recognize as Vince Howard's mom, Regina Howard. Um, how are you doing, Regina? Oh, excuse me, Angela. Um, <laughs> that's fine. You can call me Regina. I'm doing just fine, Blake. Good morning to you. Oh, I appreciate your time this morning. And um, as, we, as we talked a little bit beforehand, just um, we've noticed the transformation of your character over the last two seasons. I think when we first saw Regina Howard at the, the maybe the second episode of season four, she was not doing so hot, um, and uh, and you've basically taken her. And as the script has progressed over the uh, season four and season five, she's become a, a main character, and we're seeing her stepping up and actually uh, standing up to uh, to her husband and her son right there. The last episode we actually saw this past week. Yeah, um, Regina's growth, I, I commend the writers um, allowing her to grow past the addiction. Um, the drug and alcohol abuse are, uh, not, not to get too much on my soapbox about it, but because of the research that I did behind the scenes for that character, drug and alcohol abuse is really prevalent in our society. Mm-hmm. And when we, can, <clears throat> when we can rehabilitate someone back into society after drug and alcohol abuse and, and, and ha- have them be product, uh, positive products in our society, it's a win-win for everyone. So to see Regina uh, come through um, the 12 steps and get back into the society and trying to actually be accountable now, her character is wanting to have a job. She's wanting to come home and cook and clean and be present in her son's life. And right. then, of course, with her... Um, her husband getting out and 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 coming home and making his 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 uh, I guess presence and stamps. You know, Regina in season five really wants to have the the, the all American dream, which is to have her family and to be a wife and to be responsible and right. and, and um, you know. So it, it's really nice to see that and what the writers did with her. 
Now, before you even came on Friday Night Lights, were you very familiar with the first three seasons of the television show? Like, had you watched or at least kept kind of aware? I know being from Austin, it was filmed in Austin. I didn't know how familiar you, you were with the program beforehand. Yes. Well, definitely. Um, I live in Austin uh, uh-huh. the majority of the time anyway. So um, I was highly aware of the show. Uh, we were very pleased from a local standpoint to have a show that was uh, brought locally to Austin and to stand the test of time. Um, its reputation within Austin is, is amazing. And so from an actor standpoint, I was very aware of the show. I had seen you know several episodes of the show. I was, uh, quite in awe of how Peter Berg and his, 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 his crew um, uh, visually captured the show with the roaming cameras. And I had heard on the street at that time through the community of actors that it was a multi-camera setup show, which mm-hmm. I thought, wow, I've never, I'd never experienced anything like that. And I was hoping at some point I would <clears throat> be able to get on the show and, and, and get that experience underneath my belt. Um, I had auditioned for different parts during, you know, the early stages of the show. Okay. But uh, I was never lucky enough to to give anything that, you know, that to book anything. So I guess it wasn't my time, but I'm glad that it, you know, everything happens for a reason because by the time season four came around and I was able to audition and, and get the role of Regina Howard, um, it was one of those roles that you, as an actor, you can sink your teeth into. So I really enjoyed it. When you first read for the role of Regina Howard, how much of of the character did you know? I mean, I'm sure they hadn't even themselves probably, you know, scripted out. Well, here's her complete arc of her character, you know, through the end of the series. But how much of her did you know? And, and did you kind of were able to sink your teeth into even there as at, at the audition? Um, from what I recall, Blake, um, I knew, obviously, that she was going to be introduced into season four at the height of her drug addiction. I knew that. I knew that um, um, she was um, very battered and broken and bruised in her life at that point and very lost. Um, um, And I knew that her and her son, obviously, based on the sides that I I was given at that point for the audition, her and her son's relationship was... uh, uh, very, very damaged. Right. And she was uh, caught in a lie, uh, caught in a big web of lies and deceit, which is really common for those who are um, addicted to drugs and alcohol. They, they're not responsible people. They, they at that point, uh, the height of their addiction, they're just, it's almost a Dr. Jekyll, you know, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type situation. Right. So um, what I did for the audition was when I was called in, the first round of the auditions, I went in front of Peter Berg, um, the casting director, Beth Stepko, out of Austin, as well as, I believe, Michael Waxman was also in the audition room that day. And uh, I, I just basically went for it and went into the room, <clears throat> excuse me, but, you know, no makeup on, hair all over the place, very ratty clothes, um, and tried to give myself over to the character as much as possible and just really went for it. Um, and I remember Peter saying to me when I walked in, I, I had given him my headshot and resume, which, of course, my headshot is going to look drastically different from how I presented myself that day at the audition. And uh, he said, wow, you know, you look, I won't, uh, expletive was said. He was like, <laughs> you look, <laughs> he was like, you look 
beep, completely different beep from what I'm seeing, you know, <laughs> on this headshot. And, and I remember, you know, giving an expletive back and saying, yeah, you know, of course, I wanted to really go for it. That kind of broke the ice to, I guess, you know, calm the nerves on my end a little bit. And we were able to get down and dirty and get to the sides of, of, of what the character was saying in the audition. So, Well, I think that you... Uh, you know, I, I remember seeing, like you said, just looking at the IMDb, just at the you know cast and crew list, and then seeing your, the headshot there on the website versus the way the first few episodes of uh, us being able to see your character. And you know, I think we first are introduced to your character. She's either passed out on the on the front steps or on the you know the landing there outside of your apartment. You yours and Vince's apartment, and you know, it took many episodes before you know she really ever held her head up with any energy and it seemed to kind of, you know, put herself together after, I guess, you know, Vince and, and, and she checked herself into the, uh, to, you know, rehab place towards the end of the season. So you did well, you did very, very well. Oh, thank you so much, Blake. I, I really appreciate that. Tell me, I was going to ask what it was like being able to work alongside Michael B. Jordan, who is a, who's a young actor. I think, you know, most people knew him originally from the wire, but I think he's started to make a name for himself through both uh, through both here and Friday Night Lights, and then also Parenthood. But it has to be a joy working alongside him so closely. Oh my goodness! Uh, yes, Michael B. Jordan is—he um, is such a talented, giving actor. Um, There's plenty of times where, uh, particularly during season four, where a lot of our interaction was happening, where I could either go to his trailer beforehand, or he come to my trailer, and we could work on um, the scene together and just kind of be free and be willing to allow uh, organic things to happen. And, you know, it, it went from the trailer directly to the set to where I felt very comfortable with Michael. Um, of he, he allows, uh, in my opinion, he allows the other actor, whoever he's working with, to feel very safe with him, um, which is really awesome because he is so, so young as an actor, but he's, been in this game long enough to have a body of work that obviously speaks for itself. Right. <laughs> so um, it, it, I guess basically to, to answer your question, he is just phenomenal and I love him dearly and I would love to work with him again at some point in the future. I expect he will get many, many offers and opportunities from, from here out to be, uh, I would have, yeah. You know, because I, I'm watching uh, alongside of, as I watch Friday Night Lights, my wife and I also watch Parenthood, which is also a Jason Kadams program, which you were on as well for, you had a little uh, therapy, you were a therapist there, a marriage therapist. But, um, you know, seeing him, and his, it's a, you can tell he's still quite gifted, but at the same time, he is a completely different character, and he's able to, you know, yes. do very well with that material too. Yes. Was it the, uh, with the connection, I guess, with, Jason Kadams or someone else related through casting that was able to get you on Parenthood? Yeah, you have the exact name right that I'd love to get, give kudos to. Jason Kadams um, had reached out and uh, asked me if I wanted to come on over to Parenthood. And uh, without a shadow of a doubt, of course, I was going to say yes. But Jason threw me that, that bone, and I really appreciated that. Um, so he had asked me if I wanted to... Uh, come over to Parenthood and, and, and be a therapist for 
Craig T. Nelson's character in Bonnie Bedelia, and I was like, absolutely. And, and um, he was like, I'm not very sure what we're going to do with the therapist and where she's going to go and how much the writers are going to include her, but let's just, you know, give it a wing, give it a shot, and we'll kind of slowly see what we're going to do. And I was right. like, absolutely. So hopefully I'll be back a few more times and we'll so. see what happens. Well, I've, I've noticed, yeah. and you may know of more, but I've noticed at least four actors or actresses that have you know been on friday night lights that have also appeared in parenthood there's yourself there's michael b um uh jeff rosnick who plays buddy jr he was one of drew's buddies a few episodes back um and and then uh of course uh lila um mika kelly she's been on there as well so every time i watch parenthood I'm, i'm looking to see who else from dylan texas i might see on there um, another, uh, <laughs> yeah, a wonderful family affair, right? And that's, that's a wonderful um, opportunity to go over and work on just, you know, another meaty, great uh, show. Parenthood thumbs up to their cast and crew as well. And I know there's a lot of uh, some of the same producers and, and even a few directors and, and all are yeah. for the both shows. And, of course, Kate was being the showrunner for both. So it's, uh, it's, it's a great show as well. Um, one of the other actors who's been new to this season who uh, I'll admit myself, I've been on a little bit of a roller coaster the first few episodes of his uh, run. And now I'm fully uh, – he does a good job of making me dislike his character, but that's Cress Williams playing your husband, oh. Ornette, <laughs> Ornette Howard. <laughs> Yes, yes, Chris Williams. Oh, oh God, or that is something else. Um, he, uh, I guess, more on a personal note, from an actor to actor, he's an amazing uh, actor who who has um, a wonderful body of work underneath his belt. And right. it was such a delight to meet him early on. I actually had the pleasure of meeting Chris um, right before we started shooting season five. Um, he flew in from L.A. to Austin, and I got to meet him at his uh, hotel and sit down and just, you know, just talk, just get to know each other. Nothing about the script or anything like that. Let me just get to know you. You get to know me. And then, then we slowly went from that introduction into getting to the work of, of season five and how the show you know, worked. He had some questions about as well as about the multi-camera setup. He had questions about season four and his introductory into um, coming into season five. And right. then a few hours later, uh, a few hours later, Michael, Michael B joined us. And then we had our family gathering there at the hotel to get to know each other. So it, it just working with both of them and, and their work ethic of, of how they build characters and how they um, interact with how I work as well. It, it was very complimentary and, and, and Kress joined in and ran with it. It was just like passing a baton, you know, it was just, he grabbed the baton and ran with it. And I think he's a wonderful, amazing addition to season five. Definitely. Like I said, at the very beginning, I was very, of his character, I was really hesitant. I'm thinking, ah, he's shady. I'm not, you know, be careful Vince. And then I'm like, oh, he really does care about his son and, you know, he's willing to do whatever and he's trying to make, you know, things right with his wife and some of the mistakes from his past. And then all the football recruiting started and, you know, and it's, you know, I I like to dislike his character. I almost want to say hate. Uh, So he does a good job. (laughs) So then he's got you then. He's doing a darn good job. Very much so. Yeah, that's good. If you've got all that emotion going through you, then he's he's doing his job. And and I think – Everyone just loved what he brought to to the show, and I think the interaction between him, 
Fournette and, and Regina is really a sight to see. I, I love what the writers did with the two of them. And then we got disconnected, but we reconnected, and here's the rest. I would say just the dynamic between the three and how we have seen the uh, the family go from disgruntled and Vince not liking his dad being there and and Regina trying to say, well, let's, you know, give your dad a chance. He's, he's trying hard, and then he gives him a chance. And then just recently, Regina has stepped up and said, you know, why don't you give the boy some space? And you had a great line for this past week that uh, I, I even wrote down where you said, oh. you know, he – he doesn't need an agent. He needs a dad. He needs a father. Uh, oh, yes. Yes, that was uh, that was actually a line that I ad-libbed in the heat of the moment, um, which I love about the show as well. I, I'm sure with you interviewing so many other actors from Friday Night Lights, you know we have the liberty to, as an actor, to be in the moment, and whatever comes out comes out sometimes. And that was one of those lines that just kind of flew out of my mouth in the in the heat of that moment because of, Ornette, I know that he obviously wants his son to be successful and not be like the, the both of us. And um, um, that sometimes in the, in the moment of wanting greatness for your child, you can, as a parent, take it a little too far. And it was one of those moments where it had gone too far in the heat of the moment. And Regina just kind of lashed out, which I was quite surprised because Regina's character is quite submissive when it comes to Ornette. Mm-hmm. And that was her first time truly standing up to him in that moment, well, um, he, which he, was a little, a little scary for her. Well, even the previous episode where I guess, you know, you and Michael B were out shopping and you said, you know, maybe maybe your dad's not always right about things. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was a step for her, which probably, you know, gave her a foundation for this next step that we saw this past episode. Yeah, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Uh, Like it was a building block for her. And, and even when she said that, Regina said that, that was, uh, I think kind of hard and shocking for her to say, but she felt maybe at that point for that particular episode, uh, a little more safe because she wasn't in front of Fournette. She was Mm -hmm. saying that privately to her son while she was at work and, and then, obviously started building up to, uh, to the moment of confronting him and saying, you know, he needs a, a father, not an agent. Right. Well, you've mentioned a few times the, the multi-camera setup and, and I've heard others speak from their experiences, both that situation, that system and others. Has it been one that was hard for you to kind of get used to and, and become accustomed to, or is it something that once you kind of found the groove with it, it's really comfortable and, and natural? You know, actually, like I, um, I had mentioned earlier in our interview that um, I had heard on the street within the acting community in Austin that there, there was a multi-camera setup, and um, I was very foreign to that. I'm so used to, um, and like both actors, having one camera, you know, getting one angle and then regrouping and getting the other angles. And um, so I was a little intimidated when I first heard about this. But once I got on set and got to see how the team uh, uh, worked and how these cameras were able to basically rove around the actor and just have the actor do his or her thing. Um, It quickly, I would say within the first, uh, probably first first two episodes, if that, or first two tries of it, if, if that, I was completely unaware of the cameras at that point, and I was completely able to focus on uh, the work 
And what I really love now, now I think most of us, I'm thinking for everyone as far as the acting side of it, I'm so spoiled now by the multi-camera setup that Friday Night Lights has spoiled me so much that when I work on other projects like Parenthood or private practice or shoot a movie, Mm -hmm. um, I'm just blown away by how long it takes because we were able to, you know, shoot an episode so quickly and efficiently that when I work on other projects, I have to remember, oh, this is the way it's normally done. What Friday Night Lights was doing is a trailblazing behind the scenes effort. That's not how every, you know, that's not how all other shows work. So, um, to be honest with you, Blake, I'm spoiled, and I wish <laughs> all other projects would uh, do this, adapt the same type of of um, uh, production style. But you know, hey, it is what it is. But it, it was really fun, and and I loved that whole thing because uh, additionally, it allowed the actor to come in and do, particularly for emotional things. And you know, Michael B. and I, and and our storyline with 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 Cress as well. Um, there's a lot of emotion going a lot of times, and it's, it's lovely and it's safe and it's comforting for an actor to know that when they come to work and it's a high emotional, uh, high emotional scene that because of the professionalism of the crew and those roving cameras, you only have to do maybe two or three takes, if that, and, that's and they've it. got it. Mm-hmm. That's it. You're, you know, you're in and out and you're not having to expend as an actor a lot of over and over takes by the time you're just exhausted and maybe your tears have ran out by then. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Right. So, um, yeah, I, it's a beautiful way to work. An absolutely beautiful way to work. Well, we have three more episodes before the end of the, uh, the complete series. And I think it's bittersweet for a lot of people because they're, they've, they've enjoyed Dylan, Texas and, and the football and the families and, the the drama and the laughter and, and the, all that goes into it. And so it's, we're sad to see it ending, but at the same time where we trust the writers, I believe most, most of the fans do to, to, to be faithful with what's brought us this far. And so just to find out how these last three episodes are going to end and, um, you know, looking at the previews for next week and I see you and, and Michael B there watching the front door being kicked in. And I'm sure you've had lots of people asking you, who is that actually kicking in the door? Because my first thought is it's Vince's dad is Ornette. But then I'm thinking, well, both Vince and Ornette have some enemies that may have reason to come check things out. So it's it looked like a very emotional scene as well for you. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. I'm not going to give anything away on that, but it, it um, I think you wrapped it up pretty well in the sense of it could be Ornette. We obviously know that you know we don't live in the greatest uh, side of town right. in Dillon, and uh, yeah, both. There are some enemies out there that, and, and you know, my son is a star quarterback. Not everyone, you know, too pleased with that right. in our community. So um, we'll we'll see what happens next week. Who comes through that door? Can you at least confirm that it's not Jess Merriweather coming after him? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I, I will confirm that at least. Okay. <laughs> That was funny. I think my laughter gave that one away too. I tell you. <laughs> well, I, I didn't know if she and Vince got in a fight, and she just needed to talk things out. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so hilarious. I mean, she is so tiny. Could you imagine her kicking down that door? Oh my goodness. <laughs> you need to make some spoof with you know, just like you know, cut it in with the previews, and this as her beating on the door on the other side. 
<laughs> I agree. That is funny. Oh my goodness, that's funny, Blake. <laughs> with uh, with your experience these past two seasons, what do you think you will take most away from your time in in Friday Night Lights world? Uh, just with the experience of the uh-huh. production, the other actors, and the crew that you've been a part of. Yeah, I think I think I have two answers to that question. Um, from an acting standpoint, as an actress, what I have already taken away. Oh God. Blake, you're making me emotional. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my goodness, I didn't know that this was emotion. Ah, jeez, Louise. That's um, fine. What I'm going to take away as an actor is, um, first of all, the camaraderie. Uh, when I say that <laughs> what you see is what you get behind the camera, in front of the camera, cast and crew, such an amazing family unit of people that I truly care about it and, and, and keep in touch with from a distance, whether it's Facebook or any other social media where I can just check in and say, hey, you know, friend, how you doing? Miss you. Think about you. I'm definitely going to miss that. I'm also <clears throat> going to miss um, um, the, the workings of 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 the, oh gosh, how am I trying to say this? The Friday Night Lights, the, the whole process made me grow up as an actor. I learned a lot of lessons. It, it made me uh, more confident as an actor and willing to follow my instincts. Um, when I go to auditions and book other work, uh, Friday Night Lights is with me all the time because Peter Berg's team allowed us as actors just to be um, available in the moment and to go for it. And right. it was such a free, freeing experience that I used that from the show in all of my work as I go forward, just to be free, just to go for it as an actor. And that's what's going to carry with me and, and, and stay with me as I move forward. Um, and then on the other side of this, um, the, 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 the backstory to Regina, the rehab, checking myself into rehab early on in season four, being allowed to go into Austin Recovery, which is a real rehab <clears throat> center in Austin, and allowing them to open their doors to me, to see a world that I was so um, unaware of. I, I got to live in this world of drugs and alcohol plus sobriety. And if anything, living in that world and getting to know people within that world and seeing them come to the other side of life and live a full, complete, sobering life, I have a much kinder and softer heart, softer heart for those who are influenced by drugs and alcohol. And that's another thing that I will take away from this show. That's awesome. That's probably something that you did not expect at all coming into the experience. You're exactly right. 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 <laughs> I, I did not at all. I did not know that my research was going to lead me to have a, have a softer place for those who are struggling with addiction. And that's what it's definitely done as well. Well, I, I look forward to hearing how, how, you know, the experience you've had in that arena itself, you know, continues to shape itself and you involved with, uh, with some of the rehab and the rehabilitation from, from those experiences. Uh, Cause I'm sure that you, it seems like there's it's lit a fire in you, a bit of a passion for, for Yeah, I do. I mean, when I, when I'm back in Austin, I mean, right now, obviously I'm in LA, but when I'm in Austin, I still go by 
Austin recovery and I still participate in any level that I can um, um, because you're right, I, I am attached to that world now and, and it has made me um, a little bit softer in that regard. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time today and look forward to the next three episodes. And I know that we have, we can expect some more uh, big scenes with the Howards, the three of them. And uh, uh, I've, uh, I've enjoyed, like I said, just the, the character herself, how she was pretty down and out. And now she's got her feet on the ground and doing well. But then again, just her boldness that you've been able to give to um, to Regina Howard. So uh, I look forward to these next three episodes to seeing not only her story and, and the Howard story, but the whole, whole story of Dylan, Texas. And um, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting. Thank you so much, Blake. I really appreciate your time today. And um, thank you for watching and being a fan and putting together this podcast, Meet the World. So thank you. Definitely, definitely. Well, God bless. And we'll talk with you soon. All right. Have a great day. Well, I think that about does it for um, for this episode. And Russ, uh, sad to see you go, not able to finish out the last three. But I know that uh, you have a lot on your plate, and you're going to be out of the country for a bit and bringing home um, a new member of your family. So we, we look forward to hearing how that goes, maybe later on down the road if we can do some post, post-season recaps of some things. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure the little girl will be excited about uh being part of the podcast as well. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Well, uh I do have a, a couple of actual other interviews I think in the can and a couple others lined up that we should be having pretty soon. So look forward to those. But um until next time, thanks for listening everybody. You can leave us some feedback on the website, fnlpodcast.com. You can email us at fnlpodcast at gmail dot com or always Twitter. Same FNL Podcast. See ya. All right.